What is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We are on episode 74, Stuart Skinner, of my little hockey show, where once a week I go through all of the major news in the NHL, mainly focusing in on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames, because that's my favorite teams, but I could talk about any of the 32 teams in this league. So what's on tap for today's show? Well... The Ottawa Senators are added again. We got some, well, Brad Marchand is added again. The Calgary Flames continue to suck. Anaheim's doing good. What the fuck? We got to talk about Edmonton. There's a lot to go on to with the show today. So I don't, that sentence didn't make any sense. We'll talk about the Leafs. And then if there's time, we'll go through the stat leaders over the first month or so of the NHL. So Let's let's rip the band-aid off. Let's get into the Ottawa Senators talk. They they're making all the waves this week. So let's let's just start there. So Ottawa is forfeiting their first round pick and this is from uh, a few years ago when Ottawa traded Dadnoff to Vegas. They did not provide Vegas with um the proper trade uh, no trade list that Dadnoff had made up. And that is, you know, it's very unfortunate. So Vegas goes off to try and trade Dadnoff later to Anaheim. Anaheim and Dadnoff are like, hey, whoa, wait a second. Uh, Dadnoff, this is a, Anaheim is on his no trade list. So that started a whole big shitstorm. And, you know, Vegas isn't impressed. Ottawa's not impressed. And so Dadnoff's got to get back, go back to Vegas. That's very, very embarrassing and awkward. We tried to trade you. We did trade you. And now you're back. So yeah, sorry about that. And the weird thing was that Dadnoff actually played really good for Vegas after that whole situation. Vegas misses the playoffs. And yeah, so the the price is a first round pick now Ottawa won't doesn't have to pay that first round pick right away they can do it in 24 25 or 26 so i mean um with some of the things that have happened in the NHL's history we can look back to when Kovalchuk and the New Jersey Devils there was a penalty uh, put on the New Jersey Devils, and they kind of just kept kicking the can down the road and waiting and waiting, and then that just ended up going away. They had new ownership or something like that, and they just decided, eh, well, never mind. Don't worry about that. Yeah, not a big deal. So with that being said, uh, that's it's extremely, extremely bad look on the NHL right now. Uh, this is something that has been a problem for many, many years, and that is just inconsistencies with whatever is going on the whatever ruling they have whatever judgment the nhl is putting down suspensions fines well fines are pretty good because there's a a set number on that but fines still make people very upset and then the immense inconsistencies of the punishments that are being handed out by the nhl and and all this shit so Michael Anlauer, the new owner of the Ottawa Senators, I mean, rightfully so, is not happy about this. He had an awesome press conference where he's basically just calling the NHL out on their shit. He's like, why am I absorbing this shit? I was not the owner. I am brand new here. Like, why am I being penalized for all the bullshit that the prior guy, it's all his fault. Like, what is it? GM Murray or whoever was the prior GM, well or sorry, owner, uh, the Ottawa Senators were running a very kind of 
low-budget, uh, not a very big amount of money thrown into that organization. So there was a lot being put on the owner's plate and the GM's plate that, you know, say for a team like Toronto, they probably have 50 fucking guys in the offices doing all this shit. And apparently, according to reports, it was basically one person. Or if it was with multiple people, they're in, like, different areas, and it was just a shit show. It was not being run properly and that's why the Ottawa Senators were like, oh, I guess we just forgot to give you the trade list. And they tried to blame it on Dadanov's party. And they're like, no, we gave you the list. You just lost it or you forgot about it or whatever the fuck. I mean, it's not an easy job being a, a GM or anything like that, but it's not good, man. It's not a good look. And it took Gary Bettman and the NHL like two years to finally decide what the punishment was going to be with the Ottawa Senators. And it just so happens to be a, like a month or two after Ann Lauer is made the owner of the Ottawa Senators. And he's fucking pissed. And I would be too. Because not only did he just, what, lay down $900 million to buy this organization. And now, like, you're putting this penalty on me. And, you know, from what I'm gauging from the NHL world right now, it's a pretty fucking hefty price to be paid for something that happened a while ago, something that happened to a guy that's not even the owner of the team anymore. So, honestly, all said and done, I know it's very, everyone's all upset and everything like that right now. I don't think this punishment is going to stand. I think uh, with all the backlash and... Uh, I imagine other things are going to come up like the Kovalchuk thing in New Jersey where they kind of just said, eh, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's cool. So maybe Gary Bettman right now is just putting down the punishment knowing well right that Ottawa isn't going to pay the first round pick right away. They're more than likely going to wait as long as possible. That's probably the smart thing to do. And then hoping that it's going to just go away. That's more than likely what is going to happen. I'm not going to guarantee that, but at least from what it, history has shown that's probably going to happen but I don't know there's something going on with the NHL this year where maybe they are trying to establish a pattern a routine or something that we can actually sink our teeth into it's like okay this happened history shows that this is the punishment and that is what is going to be laid down with the NHL that's just not what it is it's whatever fucking whatever they're feeling this day ah oh, it's it's a second round pick this time and then the same ha thing happens a year later it's, oh it's a first round pick now it's like it's a very bad look for the NHL I mean like there's a whole bunch with this right like you know reports are kind of coming out that Michael Anlauer was not really guaranteed to become the new owner of the Senators, but he's got a history with the NHL. He's got a history with Gary Bettman. And, you know, looking back on that whole Ottawa ownership thing and, and Snoop Dogg and, and Ryan Reynolds, all those guys being in, in, the, in the running to possibly buying the team, I don't think that was ever really going to happen. It seemed like Gary Bettman had his guy. He knew... Like, oh, it's great. We got all this other interest and stuff. They're sending us over some pretty nice-looking numbers, but it looks like Ann Lauer was the guy that he wanted, and maybe because he can maybe push him around a little bit. I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing right now. But could you really see this punishment going down onto a guy like Snoop Dogg or Ryan Reynolds, who he can just be like, Snoop Dogg can just go to the Snoopites or whatever his fans are called and be like, yo, fucking 
Gary Bettman is a punk-ass bitch, and he's trying to do this shit to my team, the Ottawa Senators, your team, the Ottawa Senators, and there would be a revolt, a much bigger revolt than there would be with... Are there Michael and Lauer fans out there? Like, oh, I really, really uh, like the way that he handles his money. I, I'm a fan of him. I got a poster in my room, and, and oh, hell yeah, I love everything Michael and Lauer. And I don't think that's really the case. Now, if you're a Michael and Lauer fan out there... I don't know. You should probably you should probably do something else with your life. I don't know, but I'm just wondering, like, I don't think this would have went down the same way or possibly even at all if Ryan Reynolds, Snoop Dogg, one of the bigger names, ended up owning the Ottawa Senators. I think right now, like, it really, really does look like favoritism. We bring up the New Jersey thing. There was something that went down. Oh, how could I forget? In Chicago, the whole Kyle Beach situation. And... They basically got a slap in the wrist for that, Chicago. I think they had to pay like a second round pick or something like that. And this Ottawa Senators situation, like, oh, kind of fucking up some paperwork, substantially way lower down the totem pole of what happened in Chicago. I Literally, a person's career was ruined and basically shoved underneath the carpet uh, because, oh, we're in the Stanley Cup. We, got, we have to win. So let's not worry about this. Let's actually never worry about this ever. So, and that's not even the worst of that with Chicago. We'll get back to Chicago later, but in comparison, it really, really looks like favoritism. I mean, Ottawa's never really been all that favoritized in the NHL. I mean, they kind of exist. Uh, yeah, in Chicago, an original six team. They brought in a fuckload of money for the NHL, especially under Gary Bettman's watch with their Stanley Cups and a million outdoor games and yada yada. And yeah, they basically get a slap on the wrist for that. New Jersey's penalty is wiped away. And here's Ottawa, you know, like a team that is trying so fucking hard just to get back to their winning ways and give back to the fans that have been just so desperate for a good hockey team again and a well-run organization. And just week after week, year after year, shit just keeps piling up. And I have to admit, I feel bad for the Ottawa Senators fans right now. Like, this sucks. I would hate, like, can we just have one fucking week where, you know, the Senators aren't getting shit on and and just, you know, oh, everything's falling down onto the Ottawa Senators. Could they just get one piece of good news for once? But no. So, yeah, a first-round pick to be paid is a huge fucking price. I really respect Ann Lauer coming out and talking about it in the way that he did being like, basically like, this is kind of bullshit. Like I, this is, it really isn't fair, man. In all honesty, like I, I am on the side of Michael Ann Lauer. They had years to deal with this and Bettman just waited until now to do it. It just seems really fucked up. It seems very favoritism. I mean, how much, I mean, we all know Gary Bettman is, He's a businessman through and through. He's a lawyer. And he's, um, yeah, it just looks really fucking bad, man. And on top of that, Pierre Dorian gets fired as the Ottawa Senators GM. We got Steve Steos named the interim GM for right now. We'll see if uh, Ann Lauer has a guy in mind. If Steve Steos ends up being the full-time GM, we'll, we'll wait and see on that one. But, yeah, I mean, kind of. I mean, Pierre Dorian getting fired, it was kind of a... Thing that was going to happen. I mean, he has been the GM since, what, 2016, and, you know, it hasn't gone very well for him. So we can, we'll look back and see what um, 
fucking Pierre Dorian has done throughout his tenure of the Ottawa Senators. There's some good stuff, but there's a majority of bad stuff. So we'll take a look at some of the things that Pierre Dorian has done. And we will start at the beginning with one of his worst trades that he ever made. So in July of 2016, he trades Mika Zabinijad and a 2018 second round pick, which turned into Berggren. And they get uh, Derek Broussard back. So, yeah, in hindsight, even when that trade went down... Now, some people will justify that trade at the time because Derek Stepan was a more veteran center at the time. Mika Zabinijad definitely had the upside. He was a younger player at the time. He had a lot of potential. I believe he was a first-round pick. And he was doing pretty well. He was definitely trending upwards, but... Ottawa getting impatient, they want a more veteran guy, someone a little bit more reliable, make that trade, and yes, we look at that today, Mika Zabinijad, one of the better goal scorers over that time frame, him with the New York Rangers, he has been fantastic, so starting off with a bang, and it absolutely blows up in his face, that was a horrible, horrible trade, I can't believe they, on top of that, he had to give up a a second round pick, and Derek Stepan was okay for the Ottawa Senators, but yeah, I think they would have done better if they kept Mika Sabinajad, so in 2017, we got the Tourists traded for Matt Duchesne. So that one ended up snowballing into a very bad situation where they ended up trading Duchesne. We'll get to that one. But on paper, not a bad, not horrible. I mean, Kyle Turris played his best hockey in Ottawa. I was a fan of Kyle Turris in Ottawa. I thought he was really good. He would always score like these awesome, like bar down, just top shelf goals. He was good in Ottawa. I thought. He was a good senator, and he just kind of never found it again with Nashville. And I don't even know where the fuck he is now. He might still be in Nashville, but not a bad trade. I mean, the trade that... I mean, Duchesne and Ottawa didn't work out the way that I think they were expecting, but it wasn't an awful trade. I mean, Duchesne was okay, but what happened in Ottawa and Duchesne, the whole fucking uh, Uber driver situation, I believe Duchesne was in that Uber ride where they talk shit about the coach and the GM and stuff. Awful. So, uh, not a bad trade, but it's uh, one of the ones uh, he did that was pretty big. In June of 2018, he traded a 20 fir- uh, 2018 first, which ended up becoming Keandre Miller, for a 2018 first, which became uh, Jacob Bernard Docker, and a 2018 second, and I don't know who that ended up becoming. So, I mean, a strange trade. I, I don't remember the context of that trade, why you were swapping first-round picks, but not to say that... Ottawa would have picked Keandre Miller with that pick, but if Ottawa had Keandre Miller on that blue line, I mean, fuck, dude, they could, that would have been a really good thing for the Ottawa Senators going forward, but again, that's all speculation, would they have picked him with that pick, and, you know, what would the team look like now, would they have a Chikrin on the blue line if they already had a Keandre Miller back there, who knows, it's, it's fun to speculate. And then the big one goes down. September 13th of 2018, they traded Eric Carlson and uh, Perron, not David Perron, some uh, younger guy, and they get back. Like Dylan DeMello, we got Tierney, Rudolph Balsers, uh, Josh Norris, a 2022 first-round pick, which became Tim Stutzel, uh, 2021 second, which became... 
somebody, and then a 2019 second, which became Reese. So pretty good piece of business right here from Pierre Dorian. Now, in hindsight, when that trade went down, it did kind of seem like Ottawa didn't get a lot, but... All said and done, I mean, Eric Carlson for Stutzla and Josh Norris, I think that alone, Ottawa wins this trade. So I think they did really, really well with that trade. All said and done, February 22nd of 2019, they traded Duchesne Bergman for Abramov Davidson, a 2019 first, which became Lassie Thompson, a 2020 first, which became Chinikov. Okay, so I messed up a little bit with the Duchesne uh, tourist trade. I was wondering, I was like, where the hell does Bowen Byram come into this? So I missed out on the Colorado part of that trade. So the Nashville, Ottawa, Colorado was actually a three-way trade. So Nashville got tourists, Ottawa got Duchesne, and Colorado ended up getting Andrew Hammond, Shane Bowers, a 2019 first, which became Bowen Byram, a 2019 third, which became Kamiev, Gerard, just straight up Gerard, who's been a fantastic defenseman for Colorado, and a 2018 second. So we all know Colorado came out like gangbusters in that deal. They did a fucking excellent job. So imagine Ottawa with Keandre Miller, Bowen Byram. Let's just say for let's just say fucking Shikran's still there. You got Sanderson. You got fucking Shabbat. That's going to be one of the best defense, of course, if not the best one in the NHL. So, you know, it's really fun to go back and look at some of these trades in hindsight. So, I mean, wow. Ottawa, I mean, they did good with that Carlson one, but could you imagine how good they would have been if they just stayed away from the Duchesne trade and kept those picks? Oh, man, it could have been completely different. So, they traded away Duchesne. You know, Lassie Thompson, they lost him. They brought him back. So, I mean, it doesn't look like Lassie Thompson is going to become what they were hoping for. Uh, Chinikov, I, I've heard that name, but I don't I don't think he's really made it or anything. And then in February 25th, 2019, traded away Mark Stone, Lingberg for Ling, Lingberg, Brandstrom, and a 2020 second, which became Sokolov. So... Um, Pierre Dorian was very, very excited about this trade when he made it. He thought, and I thought, honestly, Brandstrom was basically going to become their Eric Carlson replacement. He was a young Swedish defenseman with a ton of upside, uh, offensively gifted by the look of it. And it just hasn't really worked out. Uh, today, he's kind of struggling in that top six role. Really can't get out of that top six role for Ottawa. And yeah, he has not become the next Eric Carlson, sadly. And Mark Stone became the captain of Vegas and led them to a Stanley Cup. So yeah, that one didn't work out too good for them either. You know, Mark Stone at that time, an excellent player, was apparently willing to stay with Ottawa at that time, but I think Ottawa was still being a little bit stingy with their money, not really looking to give out a whole lot of money for a lot of terms, so they move off of Mark Stone, and, you know, he did pretty damn good with Vegas, so yeah, not great. Uh, February 24, 2020, traded away Pajot for a 2021st, which became Ridley Gregg, so that's pretty good, and a 2022nd, which became Hervinen, and a 2022 third. So that trade actually worked out pretty decently. 
Uh, Pajot was a solid center for Ottawa, and he's been a pretty decent center for New York, but I don't think uh, New York uh, necessarily got everything that they wanted out of Pajot. And Ridley Gregg, now, now he is hurt right now, but he's been very, very good for Ottawa this season, kind of holding into that second, third line spot uh, that Ottawa's looking to fill in right now, and he's he's fit in really good. Uh, sadly, he is injured. He's going to be out for a couple weeks, so that's that's really unfortunate. But one of the better trades that they made... Uh, December 27th of 2020, we're trading away. Who is that? You got... Oh, so this one basically helps Tampa Bay win the Stanley Cup. Uh, so they traded away Gabarik, Nilsson for Coburn and Paquette. And they also sent off or got a 2020 second. So this is what helped um, and led to the Tampa Bay Lightning being extremely over the salary cap during that playoff run when they won the Stanley Cup. They're like... 11 or 12 million dollars over the salary cap and that was because of Ottawa uh they ate up some salary cap for them they sent off some LTIR salary to Tampa that they can put off on the books and bam off they went and won a couple of Stanley Cups so we can kind of blame Ottawa for that one July 28 2021 the Dadnoff trade goes down uh Dadnoff for Holden in a 2022 third we got, uh, they traded for Travis Hamnick in 2022. That was a little bit surprising and very strange for the time. This one, uh, March 20th, 2022, traded Nick Paul for Joseph in a 2020, uh, 2024 fourth. So honestly, I, I didn't understand why they traded Paul away. Joseph is a solid, uh, excuse me, player for them. But they've been looking to trade him away pretty much ever since they brought him in, signed him to a four-year deal, and yeah, he's a good player. It's just that they got to trade away someone with some sort of value, so they've been trying to move him. I don't think they're going to be able to move him now since, I mean, they're going to need him, but not a bad trade. It's just that Nick Paul's been very effective for Tampa Bay and looks like he's going to be effective for them for a very long time. Uh, 20... July 7th, 2022, traded a 2022 first, which became Korczynski. 2022 second, which was somebody, and a 2024 third for Debrincat. And uh, yeah, so we know how that one ended up. Uh, Korczynski looks really, really good for Chicago right now. Uh, probably going to be a major piece for them going forward. And Debrincat is no longer an Ottawa Senator. They sent him off to Detroit, and he's doing phenomenal for Detroit. Really didn't want anything to do with Ottawa. So yeah, kind of a wasted trade right there this one's just straight up weird they traded fucking Gustafson for Cam Talbot straight up so yeah that one really I mean we'll see because I mean Gustafson's been fighting it hard this year but last season he was fucking amazing and that trade looked horrible for Ottawa Cam Talbot again he's no longer an Ottawa senator he's off with LA right now doing pretty damn well so another wasted trade right here Gustafson a young goaltender I know at the time Gustafson was coming off of a pretty rough year with the Sens and they had Forsberg who looked like maybe he was going to be the better of the younger goaltenders. So they traded him, traded off Gustafson and he had that season that he did last year. He had like a fucking, I think he was under two goals a game. He was excellent. So that one looks really bad on them right now. I mean, if they had Gustafson, would they have needed to spend money on Corpusalo? Like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't like that trade. 
And then in March uh, 1st, 2023, traded away the 2023 first, which became boot 24 second, 26 second for Jacob Chikrin. And Chikrin's been fine. He's been good. Um, it's too early to tell with this trade if that's going to really bite them in the ass. We don't know. Haven't seen boot play yet. So, uh, yeah, that one's there. And then... July 9, 23, traded to Brincat for Kubalik, Sabrango, 24 first, and a 24 fourth. And so far, that's just been all Detroit right there. DeBrincat's become one of the best players in the league right now. He's on fire since going over there. Kubalik, I think, has scored one goal since coming over. And yeah, so we'll see if that 24 first becomes anything. Uh, if Detroit continues to play the way that they are, they could be on their way to a playoff spot, so it may not be the best pick. So, yeah, that's uh, kind of all the major trades that uh, Pierre Dorian made. Not a good track record, man. Like, thankfully, he got he nailed the Carlson deal. That was a slam dunk, which, you know, at the time when he made that trade, it looked like there was going to be no way that he could win that one, but he did. So there's that, but there's just way too many losses there throughout his tenure that, yeah, I mean... It was, it was written in stone, basically, that Pierre Dorian wasn't going to be a, around for very much longer. But now, what about DJ Smith, the coach of the Ottawa Senators? So, Brady Kachuk has had a hell of a week. He came out, defended his coach, said, yo, we're playing hard for this guy. He's a good dude. He talked shit to the crowd. Like, you guys are booing us. Like, after Pierre Dorian got fired, they played that night. The crowd booed him off the ice and... You know, Captain Kachuk ain't fucking having that shit. So he called the fans out. Um, he backed up his coach. And my question is, how much longer does DJ Smith have as the Ottawa Senators coach? Are they going to fire him this season? Are they going to let him play it out this season and fire him at the end of it? I don't think he's sticking around. It's just that's kind of the way things go when you got a new owner. The, the GM's gone. So that's kind of your last dude that is backing you. I mean, you do have Kachuk. That That's something. He's backing up his man. That's good. But I don't think uh, DJ Smith is going to be sticking around as the coach for very much longer. There are some rumblings out there that Claude Julien might be uh, a person that Ottawa might be looking at. That could be very interesting. I actually forgot about Claude Julien. And uh, he was a really good coach. He's been around for a long time. Uh, he's got a French background. So maybe that works out for them. But... Yeah, man, it has been a tough week for the Ottawa Senators. I can't help but feel sorry for them. And on top of that, they're last in the division right now. Um, yeah, it's not going very well. They're struggling. Like, it looked like they were doing okay. They had that three-game win streak, and then they came back, and I think they lost three or four in a row. So, yeah, and with the history of the Ottawa Senators, November has not been a good month for the Sens for quite some time. Uh, November is generally when the Senators' season is over. That's where things go really bad. And the way that the team is trending right now with all this bullshit that's going on in the organization, it's going to be a lot of noise uh, around the team. It's definitely going to be a distraction. I can't see it not being a distraction right now. So, I mean, early signs show that the Senators will not be making the playoffs. We're getting close to American Thanksgiving. They're at the bottom of the division. They're going to have to pass four other teams. Statistics show that is damn near impossible for them to do so yeah it doesn't look good for the Ottawa Senators right now if they come back win 10 games in a row then we can rediscuss this but 
the way that the team is trending doesn't look good, man. And I mean, we'll, we'll take a quick look at the team right now. Cause I, I don't think they're that bad on it. Like, it's not that they're a bad team. I think the team is good. It's just all this bullshit around them. So, I mean, Jonas Corposalo has not been, I mean, I, I kind of saw this coming. It's kind of underwhelming 902 save percentage at 3.43 goals against, uh, he's played in eight games, only won the two of them. So, yeah, in the last game he got pulled, uh, blew a little bit of a gasket, you know, smashed his stick and stuff. Don't blame him. It's a really fucking tough time to be an Ottawa Senator right now. And points-wise, I mean, uh, guys are putting up points. Claude Giroux leading the team with 11 points. Tim Stutzel, 11 points. Kachuk, 11 points in 10 games for all of them. Not bad. Could be a little bit better. Like, I would like Stutzel to have more than two goals right now. That would be good. Um... Tarasenko has been a pretty damn good fit. Three goals, seven assists in 10 games. 10 points, not bad. Chikrin, doing good. Nine points in 10 games. Matthew Joseph, eight points in in 10 games. Ridley Gregg, in nine games, seven points. Pretty good. Josh Norris, seven points in seven games since his return. Drake Batherson's been a little underwhelming. Thomas Shabbat, a little bit underwhelming for sure. Dominic Kubelik's got to be the most underwhelming on the team. Still only two goals in 10 games. That's just not good enough. Brandstrom's got no points in seven games. So, yeah, I mean, some things are going okay, but, yeah, not not all the way there. And then you got Anton Forsberg. Can't let you slide away with that 863 save percentage. I see you, bro. Not good enough. So, yeah, Ottawa's just not rolling right now. It's really unfortunate. And it doesn't look like it's going to be getting much better for the Senators this season. Very, very sad to say. But um, we'll see. It's still, it's, uh, it's, it's, I think it's too late now to say that it's, it's still early. But the door is closing fast on the Ottawa Senators. So we'll see what happens with them. Been a rough week. So sorry out there, Ottawa Senators fans. Been rough. So let's move on. Speaking of rough, um, Boston McAvoy is suspended four games for a head hit. I mean, fair, it's the same price that Rasmus Anderson paid in Calgary, so I'm fine with that. It seems like Boston Bruins fans are not complaining about it either. And then there's Brad Marchand, so he was not getting he's not getting suspended for injuring Timothy Lilligren in the Toronto game, and now that the 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 waves have settled down a little bit, uh, we've had some time to investigate and look at the play. I saw it, I was pissed, I lost my mind, I'm very upset, fucking lose my mind about Brad Marchand, biggest rat in the game, but when we break down the play, slow it down, Lilligren engaged first, Marchand, they got their sticks tied up, and yes, it looks terrible, it looked like a can opener, it looked like Brad Marchand did it on purpose, Um, from what it looks like on the play, it was just an unfortunate situation sadly so uh, most people agree that Marshawn shouldn't have gotten suspended and he didn't but he should have at least gotten a penalty on that play which he did not so we'll get into the Toronto talk now since we're on that topic so the big hoopla around that Boston Toronto game Boston beats the Leafs in in a shootout okay so after Marshawn does that nobody Nobody on the Leafs stood up in Lilligren's defense. Uh, we got Ryan Reeves on the bench doing some chirping. We got 10 other guys just staring comatose. Don't even know what the fuck is going on. And you got Tyler Batuzzi sitting there laughing. Now, I know everyone... I think, honestly, everyone's going a little bit too crazy with a dude laughing on the bench. I mean... I mean, he could be laughing for a numeri amount of a reason. I mean, he could be laughing in disgust at Brad Marchand. He could be laughing at what Ryan Reeves is saying. I don't know. 
But the big problem with Toronto, and you know, it's been the problem for years, is this team is still as soft as baby shit. It's ridiculous, man. Like, um, the guys on the ice did not respond whatsoever. I think Marner, Matthews, Nylander, those kind of guys were on the ice. No response from them. They didn't even go over to look at Lilligren. Like, what the fuck is that, man? Like, do you guys hate each other? Like, it's embarrassing. I can't believe this is still happening. Like, brutal, man. Absolutely brutal. So... Everyone's talking shit on Bertuzzi. He's played like crap. You know, it really does look like he left his heart in Boston, and we got this shell of a Tyler Bertuzzi here in Toronto. Really reminds me of the Nick Ritchie thing. Now, Nick Ritchie isn't as good of a player as Bertuzzi, but there were still kind of the similar expectations put on Nick Ritchie. Hey, you're going to get put on the top line with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, and you're going to put up a million points. And it just didn't work out that way, and the same thing has happened with Bertuzzi. And honestly, the same thing has happened with all the guys that they signed this, this offseason. Dommy has not been there. He's getting better now, but it's just not been there. Ryan Reeves has been a net negative on the whole entire team. I honestly think he's hurt, like... He must have hurt himself in one of the first two fights that he had because he has not been the same player after those first two games. Bertuzzi's invisible. Who else did they bring in? Uh, oh, no, but any all those other guys, man, it just has not been working. So what is going on? Is it a systems problem with Toronto? Is it a chemistry problem? Is it... Is it a, a an atmosphere problem? Is it is it a locker room issue where you just come in there and everyone just seems so, I don't know, uptight and quiet and like the locker room just sucks, the environment sucks. Is that is that what's going on in Toronto? Like Ryan Reeves didn't fix it overnight, so I don't know. And I mean, I'm surprised we didn't have this conversation a little bit more prior to this Leaf team hitting the ice. But hey, Ryan Reeves plays like five minutes a game. What happens if something goes down during the other 55 minutes? Or, or wait, two, four, yeah, 55, there's 60 minutes in the game. That makes sense. What happens if, what, what, what happens if the other 55 minutes? Revo can't just leave the, the bench. He's going to get a 10-game suspension. He's not out there very often. So other guys are going to have to get into the fight. And we rarely see it out of the guys like Matthews. I've seen it a little bit this year. Marner, forget it. Nylander, nah. Tavares, nah. It just doesn't happen. And... That's the difference between a Stanley Cup winning team. You look at Tampa Bay, if fucking someone even looks at Vasilevsky the wrong way. You got 20 gloves in the air and everyone's fucking coming after you. Kucherov's coming after you. Stamkos in your face. Braden Point in your face. And it's just it's just not like that in Toronto. There's like, none of these guys want to get in there. All they want to do is, you know, dangle and fucking rip bar down goals and then go clubbing at night. Like, I don't get it, man. Like, that... The, the culture of this Toronto Maple Leafs team is bullshit. I haven't, like, I grew up on a pretty tough Toronto Maple Leafs team. Like, the the early the early 2000s Leafs with Ty Domi and Sundin and Tucker. Like, people weren't fucking with that team. And even that one year in, like, what, 2008 or 9 or 10 or some shit, when we had, like, Colt Knorr, Fraser McLaren, and, like, all these tough guys on the team. It was so much fun. And we were bad, but at least we weren't getting pushed around every night. And that's just been a thing with the Leafs for years and years and years. I talked about it last year. Like, it's so frustrating having 
Any guy walking to Toronto, oh, this guy hasn't scored in 30 games. You better fucking believe that guy is scoring tonight in Toronto. Oh, this guy's on a slump. Well, you better believe he's getting out of that slump tonight in Toronto. Oh, they got, oh, this guy's here playing in Toronto tonight. He's got 50 friends and family in the, in the arena tonight. And it's like, no, it's like, yeah, of course I'm going to spend thousands of dollars to bring 50 people out to the game because you know we're going to come in here and we're going to run Toronto's fucking show because it's so easy to do it. And it's just, I don't know what you can do. I don't think, I think it's a downright culture thing because they brought in tough guys. They literally brought in the toughest guy in the league, Ryan Reeves, and still, we're still one of the softest teams in the NHL. It is so easy to push the Leafs around and get in their kitchen. And what do the Leafs do when, when someone's pushing them around a little bit too hard? They crumble. They give up. They're like, nah, I'm not, nah, nah, I'm not into it. Nah, fuck it. I don't want to do that tonight. Nah. So what the hell, man? I don't know what you can do. Are they going to, are they, is Shelton Keefe going to get fired? Like, what coach do you have to do? We have to bring in Tortorella, and and I don't know what the fuck they're going to do, but we got to bring some sort of fire into this team because this is not good. This is not good, man. Like this team does not look like they care for each other. It it just isn't there, man. This looks like a team of individuals, kind of like Calgary right now. Like Calgary just looks like every man for himself right now. And Toronto's not quite that bad, but there's there's definitely it looks like there's like. There's got to be factions or something going on back there. There's got to be like Team Matthews and Marner's group and Tavares's group and and then like I don't know, I don't know what what what's going on. I would love to be a fly on the wall in Toronto or uh, Amazon Prime do season two of that All In thing. I love that. I thought that was spectacular. But there's definitely a problem here in Toronto. Um, I know they had that huge, crazy... Well, let's go through some of the games that they had this week. So we talked about Boston. Fucking embarrassing effort in that game. And Samsonov actually played really good in that game. And of course, they don't win for him. They didn't play good in front of him. The Buffalo game was just fucking abysmal, man. How can you have Austin Matthews scoring a hat trick and you lose? Why is that a trend? Austin Matthews scores four goals in his first game. Do you remember what happened in that game? Yeah, they lost. How is that possible? If any other team's best player scored a hat trick, you better believe they're winning that game. But with the Leafs, none that. Not happening. So we got no depth scoring for the Leafs. Revo's been terrible, man. Like, the only way... the only like the only justify justification for this play is he has to be hurt Bertuzzi's been Bertuzzi and Domi are both lost out there Bertuzzi has like no role on this team he can't figure it out Domi looks like he might be figuring out something so he's been better lately so we'll keep an eye on him Sheldon Keefe was pissed about the he's not impressed with the depth scoring I mean Matthew Nyes got bumped up the first line and now he's starting to roll what took you so long I mean it look I thought that was go I mean I understand maybe they were trying to get Bertuzzi going like okay just keep trying keep trying buddy it's just not happening so they gave it to Nice and I don't think Nice is giving up that first line left wing spot for the rest of the year he looks great so Keith was pissed is pissed about the lack lack of depth scoring he called out Nice Nice answered the call called out Dami, called out a lot of the guys from the bottom six. And of course, the lack of response for Lilligren. It's like, what the fuck, man? Like, it's just, it, it, I think this is the only team that I see this with where someone gets hurt and he's just over there alone being hurt. Like, ah, 
oh god, someone help me, and there's just no one around, like, no one gives a fuck about him, it's just really awful to see, man, like, what the hell, so, and then the Toronto-Tampa Bay game, so, of course, uh, probably the best first period the Leafs ever played, I'm kidding, that was an embarrassment of a first period, man, I mean, Sammy gets chased, Sammy has a meltdown, the crowd cheers for Sammy getting pulled, um, not good. I mean, that's that's really going to fuck with Samsonov, I imagine. He's probably just not going to have a good year, man. Like, with this start, it's going to be really hard for him to find that game back. Now the crowd's booing him. It's going to be tough, man. And, man, like, that Hedman goal was just bad. Oh, my God. Like, I could have saved that for fuck's sakes. So he gets pulled. In comes fucking Joseph Wall to save the day yet again. He was excellent. Nick Robertson makes his debut. Benoit makes his debut in this game. He was okay, Benoit. He was okay. Nick Robertson was pretty good, actually. I think he got a point out there, so that was good to see. Please stay healthy, and please stick to this team. I think I think he could be the third-line answer, so hopefully he can stay around. And yeah, man, just... The comeback begins. You got Austin Matthews with another big game, two goals for him. Marner's had like back-to-back four goal performance or four point performances, getting some goals going now. I mean that I think what game was that? I think was it the Tampa Bay game where he scored right off the hop? Anyway, that goal was nice. He's starting to look a little bit more like Mitch Marner, but and then like I don't know, Tampa ties it up really late and that just makes me it's like of course like the, you just you can never bank on the Leafs to be able to hold on to a lead for more than 10 minutes and that's been a huge fucking issue this year man like I I heard that apparently the Leafs have only led for 13 minutes or something prior to this Tampa Bay game like they play 13 minutes of leading hockey the rest of it it's been tied or they're behind like what is that that is not sustainable so they got to figure that shit out quick or we're gonna start seeing some some losing streaks go down for the Leafs and honestly they shouldn't have won that Tampa Bay game they just ugh, not good man not good so we'll keep an eye on some of that stuff uh Domi is trending upward but right now Bertuzzi looks like he might stick on the fourth line for right now I don't know what they're doing I can't believe Ryan Reeves has not been scratched yet or something. Like, I don't know what's going on with that. So, yeah, man, the Leafs have problems. All the same problems that they've had for years. They still can't figure it out. So, what is it? I don't know. And Brad Treliving does not look happy up there, man. Like, he's kind of playing poker face right now. But that is the face of a man that is not happy. <laughs> I know it. I could tell underneath that. That is the... That is that that particular look on your face that you just know internally he is fucking pissed so something's gonna go down I'm starting to think because now since true living's come in he has made it known that they're looking for D they want to add and it hasn't happened it's been months and months so I just don't think it's out there and there's just too many teams too fucking close to the cap Leafs have no money so it almost looks like they might have to just wait this one out until next year when there's some money or wait until someone gets hurt and they can get some LTIR help but I don't know man it I don't know it's not good the defense looks bad TJ Brody does not look like TJ Brody this year uh Klingberg's been bad uh, yeah Morgan Riley's been playing pretty good but it's not enough man it's not enough so 
We'll move off of that Leaf talk right now. What do you think about that Marshawn thing? Do you think he should have got suspended? I think at minimum, he should have at least got a fucking penalty. And how about this? Instead of suspending Brad Marchant, how about we fire that piece of shit referee? What is even his name? Uh, fighting. Whatever, Brad. Whatever that guy. That guy, he sucks. You got to fire that fart. He's a stupid idiot. All right. Speaking of stupid idiot, where can we go with that one? Um, I don't think anyone's really a stupid idiot. Oh, Chicago, they're a stupid idiot. You want to know why? Because a second lawsuit has been filed from the Black Aces. So that is related to the Kyle Beach thing. So there's other players that also have had situations around that time with that team. And now that lawsuit has been filed. I don't think it's going to be as big of a situation as the Kyle Beach. I don't think we're going to have as much information or any names or anything, but we'll find out. So that has been filed. So Chicago is not out of that forest just yet. I think um, they've still got a long ways to go and it's not going to be forgotten anytime soon. So that is something we'll be keeping our eye on. Speaking of that, New Jersey is going to be keeping their eye on Jack Hughes, who is injured and will be injured for a few weeks, which is not good. Uh, Jack Hughes, the top scorer in the league right now, besides uh, Elias Peterson and the leading scorer of the New Jersey Devils. And it's that is going to be a void that is going to be tough to fill. And I think he sure is also still injured. So yeah, it's going to be tough, but they are very deep up front. So if there is a team that could get through it, I think New Jersey might be able to get through that. But yeah, down Jack Hughes, that's, that's not ideal. Speaking of not ideal, we got Washington. Backstrom is stepping away from the team. That is, uh, and it does, and it has been reported that it doesn't look like he will be coming back. So it doesn't mean that he's done done just yet. That's just, you know, um, a pretty good hypothesis at this time. I would be thinking there is still a lot of time in the season, but that sucks to hear, man. Like it does look like uh, Backstrom isn't going to be able to get it back after that surgery, which is really unfortunate. I mean, kind of saw it coming with just the nature of that injury, his age. And yeah, so he's stepping away. He's going to be, you know, rehabilitating that injury, trying to figure out maybe if it is worth it to keep battling through it or not. And then on top of that, Ovechkin only has two goals, y'all. I think he still only has two goals. And uh, he's currently on pace for about 16 goals and yeah man that's um not cool man it's really weird to to see this going on right now with Ovechkin he's been arguably one of the most consistent players for the last 15 20 years or whatever like and he is 38 years old now so maybe this is just that drastic drastic drop off in production this could be it and you know the capitals haven't been off to a great start they've been playing better lately but eesh, and with backstrom out i mean you know even like backstrom we all know that he wasn't going to be backstrom anymore but still he's gone so the center depth is even worse now so yeah and back uh, just ovi hasn't looked like ovi this year i've been watching some of the highlights and it's missing a lot and honestly i think i don't know if it's like let me just compare these two players right now. So, John Tavares. John Tavares, older players, not as old as Ovechkin, but John Tavares works very, very hard, and he's very aware of his shortcomings and what he is going to need to do to overcome that once age catch, catches up to him. So, he's been working on things that 
is going to help him with that transition. And look at him. It's paying off all this work that he's been putting in. He's over a point a game right now. And a lot of people think that his production would have fallen off. And it may not still for a few more years because of the all this extra work that he's been putting in to his game to make sure that, you know, it's not going to be such a drastic fall off. And I'm not saying that Ovechkin doesn't put in the work, but when you watch his game, he has not adapted his game whatsoever in years and years. He sits in his spot. And he sits there and he waits for the puck to come and he blasts it. And I think if 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 this keeps up, he's going to have to change that. He might have to move in closer. He might have to start battling in front of the net. He may have to give up his spot. That just may not be working for him anymore at his age. So, I mean, people are starting to say like, oh shit, like that's it. The Gretzky record is safe. Ovi's not going to be able to do it. So I'm not there yet. I mean, it's still pretty early and Ovechkin is still Ovechkin. He could easily just rattle off eight goals in eight games and everything's going to be okay. And he can get to 30, 35 goals this season. He can maybe hit 40. It is Ovechkin. So crazier things have happened, but it's not been a good start for him and it sucks. And I would like, I would love for him. Gretzky would love for him to break that record. Like, we all want to see it happen. We would love to see that happen, of course. But the way that it's going right now, it's not looking good for the record. So we'll keep an eye on Ovi. Maybe we'll do Ovi Watch this year. And we'll just, you know, keep up with Ovi every couple of weeks and see how it's going with him. But yeah, the Ovi Watch right now, it is not going well. So yeah. But you know who has been doing well and shockingly well? The Anaheim Ducks. What the fuck is going on with the Anaheim Ducks? Why are they winning so much? I, I'm I'm nervous. Like, Edmonton is in the bottom of the league, and the Ducks are winning. So this is a surprise, obviously, uh, as you can tell from my voice. But what is going on here? So, I mean, I'm looking at their goaltending. The goaltending isn't good. You got... Four different... Wait, hold on a second. That was from last year. Ah, that makes sense. Uh, 2020... Hey, what the heck? How come I can't do this year? Okay, pardon about that. We got it all figured out now. So, with uh, the Anaheim Ducks, how many games have they played? 11? And they just keep fucking winning, man. I don't get this. What is going on? And they keep winning from behind, which is not something you want to continue to do, but... They're on a five-game winning streak right now. They beat Columbus. They beat Boston, which is crazy. They kicked the shit out of the Flyers. They beat the Pittsburgh Penguins, which, I mean, isn't that hard to do. They beat Arizona, and they beat fucking... Whoa! When did they beat Vegas? I did not one, two, three, four, five. They're on a six-game winning streak. What the fuck is going on in Anaheim? This is crazy. They beat... They beat Vegas. I missed that. That's amazing. All right, let's take a look at this freaking roster. What is going on? Well, they're getting some goaltending, that's for sure. Lucas Dostal's got a 920, 5-1-0. What's up with that? Lucas Dostal might have arrived, everybody. John Gibson, uh, not as good, but not bad. Uh, 267 goals against and a 910 save percentage. Above average. Pretty all right. And my Boy, baby, yes, I was so happy to see this. He got the third star of the week from the NHL, and that is Mason McTavish. Oh, my God, I love this player. And 
It looks like he is ahead of schedule. He has got 13 points in 11 games this season, man. It looks like McTavish has arrived. Six goals, seven assists. He's got 12 pins, got some power play points. He is shooting at a 20%, which is probably going to come down, but... Fuck yeah, dude. Mason McTavish. Now, I was talking to my buddy Keal this week, and I was discussing who I think is going to be the next captain of the Ducks, and I think it's Mason McTavish, man. And he was like, really? Not not Zegris, not, um, not I forget who the other guy was, but I was like, nah, man. I think it's going to be, if it isn't going to be McTavish, then it'll probably be Leo Carlson. But dude, McTavish just has it, man. He's got a drive in him. He reminds me a lot of Getzlav. Like, he's... He's he's gritty. He'll hit you. He's aggressive. I love this player, man. I've been all over this guy. I was rooting for him. I think I had him in my Calder race last year. Was hoping, and maybe it was a little bit early, but he is off to a fucking awesome start. If he can keep that up, the Ducks might fuck around and make the playoffs because Edmonton's blowing it. Calgary sucks. Seattle sucks. Like, Wow. So the Ducks might have an opportunity right here. Frank Vitrano has nine goals in 11 games. Ryan Strom has 11 points in 10 games. Uh, Troy Terry, 10 points. And then this young defenseman, Pavel Minchikov. Wow. Uh, Eight points in 11 games. And this kid has been playing fantastic for the Ducks. I mean, Jesus. And that's not even like... They have a lot of other young guys. You have another defenseman, Zellweger, who's not on the team yet. Like, this is a fantastic sign for the Ducks. And fuck yeah, man. Like, this is excellent. Uh, we got, how's Leo Carlson doing? He's got four points in seven games. Three of those are goals, so not bad either. He's playing an average of 18 minutes already. And I am seeing comparisons to Matt Sundin already for Leo Carlson. And that's huge, man. Like, if Sundin would have put up a lot more ridiculous numbers in his career if he didn't play through the dead puck era. Like, there would have been a lot more 100-plus point seasons for Sundin. Like, if you put 1999 Matt Sundin into the league today, he's probably putting up 120 points. So we could maybe be seeing that in Leo Carlson's future, the next Matt Sundin. Like, he looks really good. He's big, he's strong, and he's only getting bigger and stronger. So that's been going really good for them. Um, I mean, Radkel Gudis has been a, a really good addition for them. Like he's added in a lot of stink to the team. He's added in a lot of leadership. It's going really good right now for the Ducks. It may honestly be going too good, but the Ducks are playing with house money right now. So I don't know. Like what? <laughs> this is this is fucking shocking. This is insane. But good for the Ducks, man. I mean, this is really really nice for them. Last year was so bad. And the crazy thing about the Ducks right now is Zegras isn't going at all. So, if Zegras gets going, better watch the fuck out, man. Like Zegras has 2 points in 11 games. So, yeah, he is definitely suffering majorly from missing out on that training camp. It's really showing right now, but Maybe in a few more games, he starts to get going, and then off he goes to the races. So, fuck, man. The Ducks, they could be a problem in a couple of years. They may be coming uh, contenders right before our eyes. Not this year, but maybe in a few years. This is great for the Ducks. Speaking of great, uh, uh uh-oh, that's all bad stuff now, isn't it? That's bad. That's bad. That, that's bad. Oh, here we go. Here's a good one. Ryan O'Reilly, everybody, has hit 1,000 games. Congratulations, Ryan O'Reilly. Now, I wish he stuck around with the Leafs, uh, but I understand it. It's a shitty market to play in, and he's doing pretty damn good in Nashville. He scored a hat trick this week. 
it's been going pretty good. I think it's a really good fit for him there in Nashville. I'm pretty sure he's a big country music guy. So yeah, it's, it's been really good for him. So congratulations to Ryan O'Reilly. And uh, also, I guess, congratulations to Paul Stasny, who announces his retirement. So congratulations to him. Let's see if I can just, I should pull up his stats and see if we can, Stas, how the fuck do you spell that name? That is a name and a half, Stasny. Try that. Pop up. There he is, everybody. Look at that. Let's take a look at that career. Now, he was the... Uh, He's the son of the legendary Peter Stasny, who had a fucking insane, pretty underrated career, honestly. And, I mean, Paul Stasny started off great, dude. His rookie season, he put up 78 points in 82 games. And, you know, he never really quite reached those heights again. I think he started off a little too hot. He did have 79 points in 0910, which is statistically his best season, but I think his rookie season was better. You tell me, in 82 games in his rookie season, 28 goals, 50 assists, 78 points, and then his uh, career high is 81 games, 20 goals, 59 assists, 79 points. So I personally like the 28-goal season better, but a pretty consistent guy, man. Like He was really quite good with the Colorado Avalanche, a bonafide top-six guy. Goes with the Blues a little less. Uh, doesn't stick around long enough to win the Cup. He has a cup of coffee in Winnipeg. Goes to uh, Vegas for a little bit, which I forgot he was there. But okay, yeah, he was there. Went back to Winnipeg and then finishes it out with Carolina. 1,145 games played. 293 goals. 529 assists. 822 points. Fucking solid career right there. Is he going into the Hall of Fame? No, but... He's gonna. It's just a really solid top six player and a nice long career. A thousand games played. Let's take a look at those playoff stats. Uh, Oh, postseason. There we go. Um, he had a really good run there with the Blues in 2015-16. Had 20 games played with 13 points. He had a really good run there with Winnipeg in 17-18. 17 games played. He had 15 points in that run. So he was really important to the Jets in that run. And he had a pretty good run uh, last season with the Carolina Hurricanes. Played 15 games. 118 games in the playoffs. 73 points. Not bad, man. Good player and a good career. So congratulations to Paul Stasny. Now let's talk about some more bad news. Let's go bad news time. Where do we start? Um, Calgary. So Calgary, Calgary, Calgary. Oh boy. So they beat, they beat Seattle. Not bad. But then Mangiapane goes nuts. He fucking just cross checks a dude for no reason. He gets a one game suspension. Probably should have been more honestly, but one game will take it. And Coronado has been sent down. I think that's the right move. He just, it just hasn't been going for him. I think he's been around it. But the way that the team is going right now, you might as well try and save his confidence, send him back down, let him light it up, and best luck to next year, I guess. And also, Hunt has been sent down. So, not great for Calgary. What are they going to do? I think they should start trying to sell off some of those assets that they have. You know, Zadorov would bring in something, Noah Hannafin. We talked about it last week, but yeah, I haven't heard any extra conversations around that. Just that that is the word around Calgary is that they should start selling off assets. And I agree. So Calgary still not playing good enough, but it is that. So also speaking of not playing good enough, Edmonton, they still suck and they sent down Jack Campbell. So he is on waivers. 
doubtful anybody is going to be taking on that boat anchor. And honestly, I feel really, really bad for Jack Campbell, man. I feel really bad, you know, Leaf fan here. I loved Jack Campbell. I loved him so much when he was a Leaf. It felt, I felt, you know, it felt really bad that he left, but fuck am I ever happy that the Leafs didn't sign him to that contract. Oh my God, can you imagine? So, Soupy's getting sent down. I don't think it's going to do anything really good for him. They're going to, it looks like they're going to call up Picard, who, you know, statistically hasn't been all that good in the NHL. He's been playing good in the minors, but, I mean, that doesn't really necessarily translate to good NHL play, but could it really be much worse than what Jack Campbell has been providing the Oilers? So, Edmonton is desperate for a save. They can't buy a save for the life of them. They just keep fucking losing. And it's getting late in the season, man. They're digging themselves a really deep hole right now. And I don't know if they're going to make it out, man. I don't know. This might be a fucking lottery team if they keep it up. Can you imagine? Edmonton Oilers get the first overall pick and they select Celebrini. And then the San Jose Sharks are just sitting over there like, are you fucking serious right now? Oh my God. Anyway, so... Jack Campbell gets sent down. Really unfortunate. I'm a huge fan of him. So begging that poor Soupy can get his game back together. Please, Soupy, get your game back. Speaking of get your game back, you know who has completely fucking lost their game entirely? The San Jose Sharks. Oh, my God. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to kick them while they're down. But I got to talk about this, man. This might be the worst team to ever play in the NHL. This team stinks so if you uh, if you didn't see it uh san jose lost back-to-back games by score getting outscored 20 to 3 in two games so they lost 10 to 1 to the canucks how you doing and then the next game they lose 10 to 2 to the penguins oh my god dude like whoo must be a rough, rough time being a San Jose Sharks fan, player, anything. So, team stat-wise, they're scoring 1.09 goals per game. That is an easy 32nd in the league. Horrendous. I don't know if there's been a goals, goals per game lower than that. And they're letting in 4.91, which is also 32nd. So... Yeah, if you're scoring the least amount of goals and allowing the most, that is a that is a that is the ingredients needed for a fucking terrible team. Oh my goodness. Their power play isn't that bad though. 18.2, that's 19th. That's not that bad. And then their penalty kill. I I'm curious to see who the two teams that are worse, probably Edmonton, but 67.4% on the penalty kill. Just abysmal. A Abysmal. Oh my goodness. Let's try and look at um, these poor players and how they're doing. Oh my, look at the minuses. Oh my God. Woo. The worst minus on this team. Minus 14. Hold on, let me double check. There's a, wow, there's a lot of minuses. Wow, wow, wow. Minus 14. Can you name the player? 11 games, two goals, zero assists, two points. That is Philip Zadina, everybody. Boom! Okay, so, you know, I was really hoping for Philip Zadina to, to, you know, do something there in San Jose. Well, he's done a minus 14 in 11 games, so, wow, ouch. 
Leading scorer, Thomas Hurdle, 7 points in 11 games, a minus 12. Good God. Shooting a solid 4.8%. Fabian Zetterlin, one of their young, upcoming players, 4 points in 11 games. Please send him down. Save this poor kid. Uh, Anthony Duclair is over there with 3 points. And, wow, dude, this is bad. Let's just, um, oh my God. Where do we even go? Um... Just try and go down the minuses here. Minus 12, minus 9, minus 12, minus 5, minus 8, minus 13, minus 8, minus 5, minus 1. Wow, who's that guy? Oh, he's only played in two games. Okay. Minus 14, minus 6, minus 2, minus 7, minus 5, minus 6, minus 1. Oh, he played in six games. <gasps> Bear Banoff. Yeah, former Leaf. Minus 13, minus 2, minus 1, minus 6, minus 3, minus 11, minus 6, minus 11, minus 5. Wow, this team is bad. So, wow, and fucking, what is going on with Mark Edward Vlasic? He's playing 13 minutes a game? What is going on with that guy? Whew, that was one of the worst contracts ever signed. Now let's take a look at the goaltending. Oh my god. Poor Mackenzie Blackwood, man. He started out good too. He almost beat, what, what team was that, Tampa, where he stopped like 50 shots? He's the only reason why San Jose has one point right now, an overtime loss. In eight games, 0-6-1, 31 goals against, a 4.77 goals against, and an 879 save percentage. Not as low as I thought it was going to be. Uh, excuse me. We got, uh, that's a hell of a name. Magnus Krona went in for a game, letting four goals on 17 shots. So, not good. And then there's Capo Kakinen. Oh, my goodness. Five games, 0 4 0, 17 goals against, a 4.30 goals against, and an 876 save percentage. So, yep. Um, it's bad and getting worse. And good God, I think San Jose, please just give them the first overall pick. Like, come on, just throw them a bone, would you? And I think, I think that Celebrini guy is from the area. So, that would be huge for San Jose to get him, get him in the organization, at least have something for the fans to be excited about because the fan base ain't there, man. If you watch a San Jose game, first thing you might notice besides the 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 score being extremely lopsided is the lack of fans in the building. I mean, people are giving Winnipeg shit. What about San Jose? There are just rows of emptiness. I mean, how, who's coming out to watch this shit, dude? Like, fuck. I think um, there was a meme going around with uh, one, a young fan that had a sign that said, it's my first San Jose game. And then it shows the score and they're just getting caved in. So my question to y'all is, do you think uh, San Jose is going to be the worst team in NHL history? I mean, uh, there's been some really bad expansion teams uh, back in the day. I mean, there was that, that Washington Capitals season where I think they won seven games or something. Um, it's going to be really hard to do that, but they're currently 0-10-1 with one point right now. And yeah, it doesn't look like they're in, you know, I really hope that they're not playing the Leafs anytime soon because if San Jose comes to Toronto and they still haven't won a game, that's the game they're winning. Okay, we're clear for this month. They're not playing the Leafs this whole entire month. So, oh shit, well, there's a really, really good chance that San Jose is going to win their next game, folks, because it's up against the Edmonton Oilers. So, they could win that game. If, if Edmonton loses this game on Thursday to the, to the San Jose Sharks, the Edmonton Oilers are fucking embarrassing. That's it. 
that's all there is to that. I mean, you cannot lose that game. I do, I, oh man, I'm going to feel really bad, except for the Boston Bruins, if they lose to the San Jose Sharks first. I don't want to be that team. And it's thankfully, hopefully not going to be the least. Let me just see. When are they playing the Leafs? Okay, we're good for December. Oh God, it's back-to-backs. All right, well, San Jose, they could potentially win their first game January, Saturday the 6th at Toronto. That could be something. I hope it doesn't happen, but we'll see. Does San Jose go until January 6th without winning a game so that they can beat the Toronto Maple Leafs for their first win of the season? Wouldn't be shocked, but I would be very upset about that. So, yeah, not good. Just like the San Jose Sharks, they're fucking terrible. Speaking of terrible, New York Rangers have placed Adam Fox on LTIR. So this is not good. He is going to be down and out for a bit. But thankfully, they're pretty good on the back end, man. They got some pretty good players. Maybe this is an opportunity for Keandre Miller to explode offensively. So we'll keep an eye on that. And also, quietly... Panarin has been ridiculous this season. He is off to a phenomenal start, you know, really bouncing back from what was a down season for him personally last year, especially in the playoffs. And it looks like the new hairdo has done it for him, man. So in 11 games, he has got 18 points. He's doing really good. And he is currently on, let me see, an 11 game point streak. It might be more, but Currently, as far as I can tell, he is on a fucking 11-game point streak. really good, and he's on the verge of breaking the record or something like that. So, excellent start for Panarin. Maybe he should have shaved his head bald years and years ago, but he's always been a pretty fucking good player. So, good for him. And, okay, we got uh, one more piece of sad news. and Oh, two more pieces, and that's it. Okay, so Columbus has sent down Ken Johnson... Pretty unfortunate young player. Still looks like he's trying to find his game. Uh, It might be for the best for him to go down because he didn't really have a great year with Columbus last season. So it might be for the best for him to go down. We'll keep an eye on that. Maybe he gets called back up and everything's okay. But Ken Johnson sent down. Not ideal. And also not ideal was Johnny Goudreau getting benched for like 17 minutes in uh, their last game. And Johnny Goudreau didn't have a good season last year. And it doesn't look like it's getting any better this year either. So, not good. I mean... I mean, the good thing about Columbus this season is at least the defense and the goaltending has improved, but they still can't score very much. So uh, it may just be a time thing. They may have to wait a little bit for some more of the prospects to come up and get going, wait for Patrick Liney to get back into the lineup. But yeah, Columbus not off to the start or, you know, they're not. It doesn't look like they're going to be in a playoff spot. They may battle for one for a little bit, but maybe not for much longer. And we got to finish it off with some Carolina news. So sadly, Freddie Anderson is going to be out indefinitely. He is dealing with a blood clotting issue. Very scary business and something to be taken very seriously. So they're not fucking around. He's going to go get that checked out and to kind of relieve the situation, even though they have anti-ranta and... um, What's that other goal? Kachekov or something like that? Young goaltender. Uh, they also have signed Halak to a PTO. So going to be an opportunity for Halak to maybe sign with a team, get some games underneath him. Maybe he impresses some other teams and he gets a contract somewhere because there are teams looking for goaltending. Edmonton! But um, 
yeah, we'll see what goes on with Halak. I am hoping for the best for Freddie Anderson. You know, I, I always got my respect for my former Leaf goalies. Love Soupy, love Freddie Anderson. So hopefully he's going to be okay and, and come back as soon as possible, you know, within reason and healthy and good because poor Freddie the Goat, he has been dealing with injuries for years and years and years. Anti-Ranta too. So hopefully he can stay okay. And Carolina's getting back on track now after a pretty rough road trip. It seems like they're doing better now. Okay, so since we are done with October now, we're heading into November. Let's take a look at the the NHL sta- uh, stats and stuff and see who's leading the league in points and, and team stats. So points right now, we got Elias Pettersson leading the league with 21 points. Very, very good. You got... Uh, three-way tie at second with Kucherov, Hughes, and Hughes at 20 points. That's Quinn and Jack Hughes. Fuck me. Quinn Hughes is on fire. Holy shit. He's got 20 points. Good for him. Austin Matthews is there with 18, tied with JT Miller, Jesper Bratt, and Panarin with 18 points. Doing really good there. Uh, Pasternak and Marner have 17 points each. So we got a couple Leafs on there looking good. Got a couple of fucking Vancouver Canucks. All right, not bad. New Jersey Devils up there. All right. Now the goal race, Austin Matthews leading it. He literally has more goals than games played right now, which is banana. 13 goals. Brock Besser at 10. We got a big log jam at 9. Nikita Kucherov, Konechny, Debrincat, Pasternak, and Vetrano all with nine. Kachuk, Reinhardt, and Kreider with eight goals. Sam Reinhardt having a really good beginning of the season as well. Assist-wise, you got Pedersen leading the way with 15. Also tied with Hughes and Hughes at 15. Philip Hronik, who has been excellent for Vancouver. Literally putting up an assist every single game. He's got 13. Marner's got 12. Uh, tied with Panarin, Larkin at 12, JT Miller, Kucherov, and Hedman with 11. Game-winning goals, you got a three-way tie, Braden Point, Rantanen, and McTavish, three apiece. Very good. Quinn Hughes is leading the league in plus-minus at 16. Penalty minutes are led by Arbor Jackai, 38. Very good. Goaltenders wins. Uh, we got Thatcher Demko leading the league with seven wins. Big ol' logjam at six. You got Aiden Hill, Shesterkin, Vanacek, Talbot, Gorgiev, Swayman, all with six. Logan Thompson, Hellebuck, and Johansson with five. We got sh- shutouts are getting crazy this year. Thatcher, Demko, Johansson, Yari, and Varlamov, each with two apiece. Hill, Gustafson, Soros, Hofer, Hart, and Quick each have one. Jonathan fucking Quick, turning back time, is leading the league in goals against average. Now, he doesn't have that many games played, but a 1.42. I didn't see that one coming. Uh, Jeremy Swayman's right there with a 1.49152 by rhyme time. Thatcher Demko, 161. Aiden Hill, 181. Fuck. Jake Ottinger, 2.11. Pretty damn good. Jeremy Swayman leading the league in save percentage, a 952. And he has been dynamite, dude. I drafted him in one of my fantasy leagues. He is money in the bank. He is so good. Thatcher Demko, quick. Reimer, all up there with very high save percentages in the 940s. Uh, you got Hill, Ottinger, and Joseph Wool in the 30s. Pretty fucking good right there. Um, special teams, power play points. Jesper Bratt leads with 13. Shorthanded points, Logan O'Connor with three. Yeah, pretty fucking good stuff right there. That's your leaders in player stats. Now, team stats, goals per game. 
Vancouver Canucks currently leading the league, scoring four and a half goals per game. Right behind them is LA with 4.3, New Jersey 3.9. Shots per game, the Penguins are leading, but they are not leading on the standings, so they're at 35.9 shots per game. Goal differential, the Canucks of all teams are leading it by 30, plus 30 right now. They're excellent shape. Vegas behind them by quite a bit at 21, so Canucks are leading it by by a lot right now. Doing really, really good. Plus minus, plus 25 for the Canucks. The closest uh, next place is Pittsburgh with six. So yeah, Vancouver is destroying right now. Penalty minutes are led by Arizona Coyotes. Uh, goals allowed per game. The Boston Bruins lead it with a 1.92. Very, very stingy, strong defensive game by the Bruins this season. Vancouver's at a 2. Rangers at a 2.9. Vegas, or 2.09. Vegas, 2.15. Really, really good. Uh, save percentage, you got a 9.39 from the Bruins. I mean, yeah, you're going you're gonna to have a lot of success if your goaltending is a 9.39. Uh, three shutouts by the Islanders. Power play is uh, 42.9% by the Devils. They are on fire. 42. I don't think it's going to stay up that high. Tampa Bay, second place with 33.3. So New Jersey clicking at about 10% more than their second place. Vancouver doing really good. Rangers, Red Wings, pretty good. Leafs at a 26. Eh, could be, should be better. Penalty kill, the Bruins, unsurprisingly, but at a 90. That's fucking excellent. Dallas at a 92. Colorado at a 92. Flames. Calgary. Whoa. They're doing one thing good, and that's the penalty kill at an 89.5. That is top four in the league. So what the fuck is that about? That's weird, eh? Huh. Maybe they they may not be getting a lot of penalties, uh, a lot of power plays or penalties against them or something. I don't know. Uh, Power play goals. New Jersey has 18 shorthanded goals. Flyers have four. And that is your current stat leaders right now. And that will be it for me this week, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. You guys are awesome. You want to help out the little guy over here? Why don't you hit that uh, like button or hit the the review button, the five-star one? That'd That'd be much preferred, yeah. And if you want to watch these podcasts, you may do so at the YouTube channel, GamerGX Videos. Link is in the description. You can check that out. Great spot if you want to leave a question or anything like that for the podcast. You can send in a question, leave a comment on the YouTube channel. Anything related to hockey, video games, or wrestling, that would be good. You can send in a question about the podcast or something. Or if you want to have a private conversation, that is okay too. I have an email address down there in the link in the description. So you can send in an email if you'd like to and all that great stuff. So in terms of the GamerCast this week, I'm a little bit on the fence of which one I'm going to do. It's rather going to be Donkey Kong Country 2 or I'm going to do uh, the hardest bosses. I'm leaning more towards Donkey Kong because it's in it's really fresh in my brain. So I, I want to talk about that. And what do we got? Wrestling. Yeah, wrestling. I don't think there's anything crazy with wrestling this week. So yeah, it's going to be your standard wrestling recap show. And yes, thank you everybody so much for listening. We'll be back again soon with more GX Plus Cast. <laughs>